Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. In trying to prepare a preach for today, um, we have a, a series that you're going to be doing. It'll uh, um, probably start in February. And wanting to just deal with stuff uh, in the beginning of the year, I thought, you know, what, what, how, as a preacher, um, you feel like maybe I should say something significant in the beginning of the year that's sort of going to like, you know, give you the right words to say for the rest of the year and then you'll be bulletproof and you'll be able to take on the year. And the more as I unpacked this, 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 this thought and this idea, I came back to the name of Jesus over and over and over again. And I came to this conclusion. As a church, if we can focus on Jesus, if we can magnify Jesus, if we can lift up the name of Jesus, if we can keep Jesus at the center of everything we do, I think we're doing okay. Amen? Amen. I think we're doing all right. If, if everything, if, if, if one thing that could be said about this church, and maybe people might be turned away or might, think, or might have a negative thought about it, if they say, you guys are just all about Jesus and there's too much Jesus, I think we're doing a good job, right? Amen. Everything that that video said um, is true and something at the heart of what we're wanting to do. Now, obviously, we can't just say that and, and just be like, well, well, then what do we do? Today, I'm hoping to give us something of a, of a, maybe put the picture up. There's a picture that I, um, the best way I can describe today's preach is a, a, a trellis. Is a vine needs a structure. There needs to be a structure behind a vine to help it grow. Um, if that structure is not there, the, the vine either grows wildly out of control and there's no direction, or the vine just dies. It's, there's, there's, it doesn't have the, look, I, by no means am I a, a horticulturist or a green-thumbed person. I just, I just read interesting facts on the internet and then preach about them. But um, if, the, if, the vine, if, if that support's not there, the vine will die. And I just, that picture has just struck me over and over of, we want the life of God, Right? Uh, as, a, as, a, as a church leader, I would love to have the, uh, the, the, the problem that the church in, the, in, in Acts had where there just was so much life and life was happening. How do we control it? How do we make sense of this? We want that life to happen, but often we don't provide the right structures. We don't provide the right supports for the life to happen. Now, do we have to support what God's doing? No, God will do what God needs to do. But I think sometimes in our ability to want God to do things, we don't put structure, we don't put disciplines, we don't put things in place to be able to support what God's wanting to do. I was speaking to some of our leaders this week and I said, well, what happens if 100 people had to join our church on a Sunday? What would we do? We would be happy, but we would panic. Because if you look around, there's not a hundred chairs, right? If suddenly my wife in the children's meeting suddenly had a hundred kids join her, she would panic. I don't even know if we have a hundred cups to serve people coffee. Like there, there's just practical issues, there's practical things. And as, as I prepared this preach, I really felt like it was something of a prophetic declaration for us of, are we, 
Are we trying to get the right structures in our life and in our church so as God brings the growth, as God brings the life, as God just brings this organic um, life that, of, as a vine, and you see it throughout Scripture as, a, of a, of, as an analogy of the, the kingdom that God wants to bring, as we do that, are we, are we putting the right structures in our lives? So the season we're in, I feel, is, is, is becoming and, and being intentional with discipleship. And it's helping people, it's helping me, me to know Jesus and to make Him known. That's really the focus of what we want to focus on. We want to focus this year, we want to focus our lives, we want to focus everything around, do I know Jesus more? And can I make Him known more? I think you never qualify from that. You never get to a place where you say, I'm done, I've, I know all of Jesus, Right? But I think the more we know Jesus, there needs to be a desire to make Him known more. Uh, to be able to just share your love or your desire or your... Uh, the same as if you find a great restaurant, you want to tell everyone about it. Well, if you love Jesus, you want to tell people about Him. It doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean you have to hit them with the Bible. It just means you have to live your life. And when people ask what's different, you tell them. Yes, some, some, some statistics... Uh, that I found, and we can uh, just for what they are. So they, were, they did a study that they took from from some of the major cities in America. They looked at sort of middle to lower income people who have a lifestyle, um, uh, educated, employed, have a job, and they said, "What is the purpose of church?" This is across the whole of America. Eighty-nine percent of the people that responded said, "Church." Exist for me and my family. 11% stated that the church exists for Jesus and his kingdom. I found that a little bit like, wow. Which percentage do I fit into? Am I part of the 89% that, that the church exists for me and my family? Now that's not wrong because... I love you and your family, and I want your family to be, you and your family to feel welcome and be part of this church. But if the whole church exists for you and your family, what if your family, you and your family don't like me and you move on? Well, then do we as a church stop existing? But that 11% that say, well, the church exists for the king and his kingdom, and my, me and my family fits into that, then all of a sudden it gives us a purpose. That is, is never-ending. It's there every single season as life changes. The current states of, uh, of, of churches in America, 4,000 churches are started um, every year. 3,700 churches close every year in America. They say the current decline of churches closing and people leaving churches um, that we can't keep up with. Uh, soon there's going to be more people that aren't part of churches and churches closing than actually starting. We can't, we're not planting enough churches to carry on to, to sort of uh, you know, make that, that those numbers go up again. They're saying only... 40% of congregations these days have had no church experience and um, have never been part of church. 
another, another study I was looking at, um, uh, they say that with all these, with all these, um, with all these, with all the doom and gloom, it was actually, I know it sounds, doesn't sound like it, but it was actually a positive um, a book that I was reading about how even though everything is stacked against churches, against the gospel going out, against church planting, against everything, there actually is, in the next 30 years, will, will, will represent the greatest opportunity in American history to see people come saved, to see people get saved, based on uh, a whole number of factors that we're not going to get into right now. But um, it's just how cultures are changing, how people that weren't going to church, were, were not satisfied with churches that just exist and want to entertain, but really preach Jesus. And the whole, the whole argument in the whole book was saying, well, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to be a church that focuses on entertaining people? Or are you going to be a church that focuses on Jesus and his, and his kingdom? Because that's where growth is happening. And if we focus on that, then we're able to, to uh, change the trajectory of churches and church plants in this in this um, in this in this country, uh, I, I'm trying to find out the stats for New York. I don't know if we'd be any different. I think New Yorkers like to think we're different from the rest of the country, right? So we are different. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know if we'd be any different. I think the the, the takeaway for me is <clears throat> that's why we are. It's to see people come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. That's why we exist, is to, to make Jesus known in everything. So there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 as a, as a pastor, as a, as a church leader, there's, what, am, what are we going to focus on? Is all our effort going to go to making sure that this auditorium is full? Or is all our effort going to go into making sure people love Jesus and are okay sharing the name of Jesus? Maybe you've got the answer for that. Come speak to me afterwards because I don't think it's a silver bullet answer that one size fits all. Because I'm called to, to love the sheep and the sheep that God's bringing us. So if you're a member of this church, I want to be there to help you when times are tough. I want to be there to point you to Jesus. I want to be there if you are single and you're getting married to do it the right way so you can uh, 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 lift up the name of Jesus on the, uh, when you say your vows. But I want to be there so you can fall more in love with Jesus and pastor you as best as I can. But also realize that we're in a city that needs to know Jesus more than every, anything. John Wesley, a great preacher, said this, Give me 100, 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not to, to, uh, to straw whether they are clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. I hope... That I, not that I'm one of those, but I hope that we are, are men and women who care nothing other than Jesus. If John Wesley thought that all he needed was a hundred to change the you know, trajectory of the world and, and get the whole world saved, well, maybe we just need a hundred to see Forest Hills changed, right? Maybe we just need a hundred to see uh, the, our neighborhoods changed. Uh, Revelation 3 verse 14 says this, and it's a, it's a, it's a, this letter in Revelation, if you've read Revelation, the book of Revelation, it, it can be quite 
uh, intimidating and, oh my gosh, what's happening in the end of the world. But in the beginning, it's Jesus moving amongst these, these churches and speaking to these churches. And there's this church in Laodicea, um, which, was a, which was a great city, and it, uh, they were um, doing a lot of things. And in verse, sorry, in verse 15, Revelation 3 verse 15, it says, I know your works, you are neither hot nor cold. Um, would, would that you, whether ne- uh, either hot nor cold, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, everyone loves that scripture when you speak about salvation, and it's right. You can't, you can't be hot or cold. You can't be saved or unsaved. You've got to pick one. Um, but the beginning of that says, I know your works. So there's this, there's this uh, instruction that Jesus is giving this church of saying, I know your works, church. I know what you are doing. Now, it goes against something of maybe what you've heard me preach or maybe you've heard many people preach is you're not saved by good works. I understand that and I agree with that. But we are saved for good works. And what I mean by that is the way we live our life matters. Uh, Jesus says to this church, I know your works. He doesn't want us either to be hot or cold. He wants us to be, um, uh, uh, obviously wants us to be hot. But if you're lukewarm, you just, it's, it's almost like if you are not living for God the way we should be. Um, well, it says in the Bible, I'll spit you out of my mouth. But it's like, in other, way, in other ways, uh, when Jesus is teaching the disciples, he uses the analogy of salt. And when salt loses its saltiness, it's worthless. It's, you might as well just throw it out and trample on it. So the question I have to ask myself then, and, and I'm asking today, is what are we fighting against? So we're fighting against uh, this, is do I know Jesus, and I'm, am, am, am I making him known? So we're fighting against this personal reality of do I know Jesus, am I, and am I making him known? It's not just a, as a church, it's as individuals, because the church is make up, make, made up of individuals. The next thing we need to ask ourselves is, am I becoming a disciple? Is if we desire to, to disciple people into this, we desire to see more people come to know Jesus, is am I becoming a disciple? Do, am I being discipled by someone? And another question you can ask is, am I bearing much fruit? Uh, last, last summer, we, we did a whole series on, on, on bearing fruit and the, the, um, the fruits of the Spirit of those things are evidence that you are following Christ. Or have we just given up the fights and I've become too busy for all of this and it's just I'm living for me. And that's okay if that's the situation, but I'm hoping as we carry on, something might shift in our hearts. Acts 1 verse 8, we've, we've heard it over and over, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. I really believe that this power is this promise from God that I'm going to help you first love me more and fall more in love with me. And then you can be my witnesses. It's this power to overcome sin. It's this power to live for Jesus. It's this power to, to say yes to him and yes to righteousness and no to sin. We don't want to become slaves of sin. It's something that we preach about, but is it becoming a reality in our lives? So I'm going to look at a little story in the Bible. Uh, you can read the whole story. I'm going to just pull out little bits of it. 
1 Samuel 17 is a, a well-versed passage of Scripture. If, uh, if you know what's going on, uh, 1 Samuel 16 uh, starts introducing David. And uh, if you know David's life, uh, he is this amazing man of God. Um, Samuel goes and uh, asks Jesse, uh, who are your, oh, uh, God sends him there to anoint one of them as, as, uh, as king. And Jesse brings all his sons. And then he's like, Samuel's like, it's none of them. There's surely one more. And Jesse's like, I don't have another son. And then suddenly he clicks. Ah, oh, I'm on. One, two, one. I'm back. There we go. And then Jesse suddenly remembers that he's got the son that's supposed to be looking after the sheep. Um, isn't that a great example of a father? I have three kids and I've misplaced one, one now and then. But then I realize, okay, it's fine. It's in the Bible. I'm okay. Uh, let's not forget about that. But then David gets uh, anointed as king. And, but he's still young and he still grows up. And, and 1 Samuel 17 is the scenario where uh, it's the story of David and Goliath. And the uh, Israelites are, are standing one side of the ravine and the Philistines the other side of the ravine. And Goliath's there because he's just shouting um, horrible things towards them, insulting God, insulting everyone. And it's almost like, you know, come out and attack me. And if we, if we beat you, you'll become our slaves. Um, and he knew that they were never gonna, they were never gonna beat them in the physical. Um, so he was okay to do those things. But then David suddenly, he comes in, he needs to give his brothers some supplies and he comes into the story and there's something inside of David that looks at this horrible giant because he's just spewing his mouth to, the, to, to God's army. And David's like, you can't do that. It's not okay. There's this moment where the Israelites, the whole army of God. Now, if, you had, if you've been reading your Bible, or if you have read your Bible, or you know the narrative of Scripture, God has done a lot with Israel up until this point. A lot has happened. So it would be very foolish for Israel to suddenly forget what God has done. But in the moment where they are faced with this massive giants, they had lost all sight of who God was and what God had done with them. But this one guy, David, was like, no, no, I'm going to go fight him. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's great that you're going to go fight him, but... And uh, now we, we, we look at the scenario as David has this, he knows that... Um, God called him to do this. God called him to, to uh, lead the nation of Israel. God called him to, to do this. God's, God, it's almost his destiny. Um, he knows his, his relationship with God, if you read the Psalms, has, has developed and he's matured. And he, he just, he's just so confident in God and who he is. And I think sometimes the church is in a very similar situation. And if I look at... Where we stand now and the rest of the year, I think we, we wanted, God has been so faithful for 10 years. God has done so much with us. And we just look and say, well, there's so much more we need to do. It's almost like we're facing a giant in front of us. And we have a choice. Are we going to do what David does? Are we going to step out in faith and, and, and take those steps as God tells us to take those steps and take on the giant that is uh, culture this area everyone not that they're bad and ugly it's just that they need jesus and everywhere he's got us 
or we're going to shy away and understand and just you know, step away from the, 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 the battle. So as, we, as the scenario sort of prophetically as I, as I read this is we, we could be in the same scenario and we have a choice. We have a choice to either lose sight of God and what He wants to do with us or we have a choice to step out in faith and trust that God's going to do great things with us. And three things happened with David because the enemy used different situations to try and distract David before he was able to go get his, his pebbles and then go take on Goliath. The first one is David's brothers brother says, it's not where you're supposed to be. They say to David, David, you're not supposed to even be here. You're not, you're a shepherd's boy. Go back and look after the sheep. What does that say? Is David's brothers were trying to disqualify David when his destiny was to lead the people. So our destiny as a church is to love Jesus and make Jesus known in this area. Our destiny, if God has put us here, is to establish God's kingdom. But there's many things that might come and say, well, we're not supposed to be here. And it might be for you individuals. Well, you, you're not supposed to be uh, as a South African leading a church in New York. You should be back in South Africa. You're not supposed to be here uh, because of whatever <laughs> the situation might be. And we need to be like, no, this is where God's got me. This is what God's got for me. Whatever it is, whatever you're facing, no, I can't do it because my destiny is in God, not in the situation. The next thing is, is, Paul, is, is Saul's response. is His first thing is like, he says to him, you are too young to fight. The first thing that, the, the, the first thing that Saul wants him to understand is you are unqualified to do this. And David says, no, I am qualified because I know God and I believe in God. We are qualified to do what God's called us to do because we know Jesus and we're willing to take steps of faith to know him more and to make him known. The third thing, Saul tries to dress David up in his armor. And I, can, I almost just see it if your kids have tried it on your clothes and it's, you know, they're all, all over the place. Is David sitting there with this armor that doesn't fit. Now, armor in, the, in those days, was, it wasn't like one size fits all. It was made to your specifications. And David throws it off and he's like, no, my identity is in who God's created me, not on who you want me to be. People want to put stuff on you to be able to do what God's called you to do. And it's no, my identity is in Christ. Everything I have is in Christ. So the, the, it, 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 this whole passage, this whole scenario ends with this. In verse 45, David says this. And David said to the Philistines, you come to me with sword and with spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that, all the, uh, and, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle of the Lord, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. 
Now, do I believe we need to run around with swords and chopping heads off, please? No, because we will get arrested and it won't go well. But I do believe spiritually we shouldn't back down from the challenges that God's got for us. I do believe spiritually as we start taking steps towards what God wants us to do, God wants him to just shake us up a bit. It's almost like we are stuck in the snow globe and we settled, everything's calm, and God wants to take it and shake it up again and say, I've got more for you, church. I've got so much more for you. I don't want you just to do what you're doing now. I've got so much more for you to walk into. I've got so much more for you to do. I've got so much more for you to, to accomplish. And it's not that we can say, well, we have the biggest church, or we are doing this, or we are doing that. No, it's all for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom. But are we prepared to step up and take, take on those spiritual giants? Take on the spiritual giants that this world wants to say. It's better to stay at home and have brunch. It's better to, to not commit your life to church and, and, and maybe you're giving up a, son, a, a, a midweek to have prayer or have, or have growth group or, or do something else. It's better to, to rather f not focus on those things. Focus on things that uh, the world wants to offer. I can guarantee you that many of us have been caught in that trap. And more and more, if we give ourselves to prayer, if we give ourselves to discipleship and growth group, if we give ourselves to church community, suddenly God wants to do something with us. And suddenly our lives, as we make those things a priority, God, I don't want to break that, God does something with us. And suddenly our lives have purpose and have significance. I have had, uh, back in Johannesburg, very much like New York, very busy um, and I've had a similar conversation with many of my friends who I was like, just come to a prayer meeting with me. And he's like, I can't, I can't get off work. I've got to work late, my boss. And I said to him, just, just do me a favor. Just go and have the conversation with your boss that can you leave on a Wednesday? We had prayer on a Wednesday. Can you leave 30 minutes earlier on a Wednesday to get to prayer because it's an important thing for you? And I said, just have the conversation and let me know what happens. A week later, he said, I went out of the conversation. My boss said, yes. And I was like, and? You were worried about what? Now, I understand not all bosses think that way. And maybe your boss is a horrible person. Um, I hope not. But sometimes we think life has oh, objects. Oh, we can't do that. Or we can't do this. Or we, you know, even, even for me as a parent, I've often said to myself and my wife, I said, well, we're not going to do that because our kids will be affected. And they might be, you know, go to bed late or that. But as we have fought for kingdom values in our family, our kids have been fine. Our lives have been fine. Actually, they've benefited more being at a prayer meeting, hearing us pray prayers of faith for what God's doing with us and with our community that's changed something in how they view the world. Actually, they've seen us be part of a discipleship group where we've grown and they've seen the significance of having relationships and being involved. So in closing... I feel like God wants to increase us this year. And how does He want to increase us? He wants to increase us in eight areas. The first one is our desire for Him. The very first thing that I feel like God wants to increase is a greater desire for Him. It's, it's, it's a desire for Him and it's a desire for the things that represent His kingdom. Uh, we might say, to, we, there's going, not might, there's going to be a moment where we say to you, well, we think as we read the book of Acts and as we read what, what kingdom values are, we want to pray as a church. And, 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 and it might be giving up a, a, 
a midweek night. So it might be a Wednesday night, a Thursday night. I don't know what night yet. But that's not because we want to fill your days with, with church activities. It's because we desire so much of God. We want to come together. We want to pray together. We want to trust God. We want to pray through, through things that God, the challenges God has given us, the possibilities God has given us. Not so we can just exist on a Sunday, so we can start taking steps and seeing God build His kingdom through us in this part of the city. In the same way as we desire Him, that from that desire, it, 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 it has a ramification where we desire to be part of what God is doing. Have a relationship with, with, with each other. So we desire Him. Anything we do as a church, I can guarantee you, if we don't see it in the Bible, we're not going to do it. Okay? Is that right? No, at least Danny thinks it's all right. The rest of you don't. <laughs> the next thing God wants to wants to grow is as we as as our uh, as 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 we increase our desire for Him, He wants to increase our capacity. There's this understanding. We even see it in in in, in the Bible of um, God has this. I think it's Isaiah 36 where God speaks to Isaiah and it's like, expand your tent curtain. It's not to expand so we can. Do more or fill our, our calendars with more church activities. No, a capacity, an enlarging of what we're doing on every level is so we can see more people come to know Jesus. We might have to have a second service. I know that just shocks everyone, a second meeting on a Sunday. Why? Because we've almost filled the first one. And I don't know if you have ever come into a meeting, and uh, uh, even into, a, into the movies, and your seat is this one here, and the, this, the movie's already started. You come in, you're like, oh, I don't want to tell them to move, and it's very awkward, and it's like, hmm, they're in my seat. We just want to put structures in place so we can see the life of God happen, right? And if, we, if, if this capacity grows of what we're wanting to do, it means you might need more volunteers. And you might think, well, I can't volunteer. Because I don't like kids. Well, welcome to my life. I have three. I don't want to teach them on a Sunday. But we will help you. And if you don't like kids, I'm sure you can just help us put out a table or, uh, or set up speakers or maybe even be part of the worship team or, or welcome someone with a smile. That might mean instead of coming to church at, at 10.30 when church starts, not 10.40. I'm joking. Just calm down. 10.30 when church starts, it might be coming to church at 10 and or or not that it's just helping us if 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 god wants to increase what we're doing it's going to increase our capacity to take what god's doing and grow what god's doing the capacity the capacity both in ourselves to 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 conduct our lives and lead our lives so we can do this it's not just about the preacher and the, and and him doing it it's about all of us it's the the priesthood it's the church growing and, 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 and growing an impact in around what God wants to do. God is in the business of using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. But if we do not give Him the capacity and don't um, stretch ourselves and get a little bit uncomfortable, He's not going to be able to do that with us. The next thing, the third thing, is uh, sanctification. What does that mean? God wants to increase our sanctification. That means He wants to increase our ability to say no to sin, and yes to righteousness. He wants to increase our capacity to say it's not just about uh, you know 
holding on with, with white knuckles and just enduring the culture and saying, well, one day it's all going to pass away. No, right now God wants us to thrive. God wants us to become more like Him so we can exist in this community where there might be different ways of viewing um, sexuality and identity and all these things that the cultures are throwing at us and parenting and how you conduct yourself in the workplace and all of this, how you do your relationships and how you look after your finances. And what we're going to say is, no, we're not going to listen to the world. We're going to become more sanctified in Christ and find out what Christ and the Bible says about those things. And that's how we're going to live our lives. The next thing is God wants to increase our focus. Now, if you like me, I like saying yes to a lot of things. I have a hundred hobbies because I get bored of one thing and I want to do the next thing. I just don't have a budget to, to cater for my hundred hobbies, which is probably a good thing. But God wants to... Maybe it might be saying no to certain things so you can say yes to God things. It might be saying, well, maybe the focus thing is, um, you know, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this. It says, where there's no vision, the people will perish. So where we're not buying into godly vision, we will perish. But maybe it's focusing and saying, how can we change our lives? What, what differences can we make to say we want more of God and make more of community and everything that church has? With that, we grow in our confidence. The fifth thing, God wants to increase our confidence in Him. He has a way. I'm busy. I've done the, the, the thing that I do every single January, and I'm hoping it lasts until February, is I started reading a new Bible plan. <laughs> and I started, uh, there's the, uh, yeah, the Bible plan I'm reading, it's, it's got like a, a little devotional in the beginning. It's pretty cool. And one of the things they're saying that I read uh, today, this morning, is throughout Scripture, the same issue we've had. Adam and Eve had God's way and confidence in, in who God is and the way He's done things, or they had their way, and look, where it ha- look what happened to them. Abraham had the same thing. The Israelites had the same thing. Everyone's had the same issue. Either we can do it God's way, we can do it what's the, the right way, what the Bible tells us, or we can do it our way, and from my experience, my way's never worked. So I'm trying to do it more of God's way. God wants to increase, this is a hard one, our discomfort levels. Now, there's a whole obsession around, in, in the world right now, of, of uh Exposing yourself to cold water and saunas and the whole thing about, you know, if you want to recover and sleep better and do this, you've got to get more comfortable with discomforts. That, there might be some truth in that. But what I'm speaking about discomfort levels is the things that God wants us to do are not comfortable. Serving on a Sunday is not comfortable. It means you've got to get out of bed a little bit earlier. Going to growth group might not be comfortable. Coming to church might not be comfortable. But it's not about comfort. It's about fighting and, 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 and trying to take hold of what God has got for us. That is on a practical level. When God says, love your neighbor like yourself, that's not comfortable. Because you don't know, Jesus, what my neighbor's like. You don't know the loud music they play and the horrible food they cook that just permeates my carpet and everything smells like that. But God's saying, no, I want to increase your discomfort level so you can learn to love everyone. Different to you, totally different to you, but love. The seventh thing, God wants to 
increase our, our ability to become consistent. Do I have to say anything more about that? I think every single one of us want more consistency. I hope I can say by, by March, April, May, I hope even by June, July that I'm still on track with my Bible. If you want to follow me on uh, the Bible app, you can keep up to date and, and hold me accountable. But uh, I'm trying to, to, to make sure that I can read my Bible in the whole year. And there's always by June, July, you hit a bit of a, I've missed a couple of days and then I've got to catch up and I've got it. But um, it's, we just need consistency in every area. And Jesus gives us that. The, the, the Lord is there to help us. And through all of this, God wants to increase our influence. Our influence and our impact in this community. We're not called to be thermostats. We're called to be thermometers. We don't want to react to everything around us. We want to set the tone. We want to set the temperature of what, we, what we're wanting to do. So how do we do this? I want to ask us and assess it by asking yourself these three things. How close are you to God? How close are you to the leaders of this church so you can be discipled? And how close are you to the people around this church? Do you have relationships with them? Do we know each other? Do we even know people's names? Or do we just come in and do church and leave and then it's gone? Okay, we have coffee set up. You're more than welcome to have a cup of coffee with us, to meet with us, to speak to us. And the reason why I ask you these questions is because God, I feel... It's not just, we don't visit church. We're part of a community. When you're going through a tough time, when, you, uh, when things aren't going well, the things are going well, you've got people to help you and to people to celebrate with you. Are you being discipled? Someone, does someone know who you are and discipling you and helping you through everything? And are you even focused on God and His kingdom? The enemy wants to isolate us. He wants to think that you can do it by yourself. He wants to put us by ourselves and think that we're all alone. And we have to fight that. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for us? And we can go. Lord God, I know there was a lot going on. There was a lot of stuff happening today, Lord God. But I pray above everything, Lord God. As uh, we start this year and... We have great desires and we have great plans and we have great um, opportunities. I pray, Lord God, that you will work with us. You'll, you will um, help us be able to make the adjustments we need to make. Help us make the small changes, Lord God. Help us to view things not from the point of view of just, oh, it's another event or it's another thing the church is asking me to do. No. This is about Jesus and his kingdom. Look, God, let us all make the adjustments so by December or even next year we can look back and say, look what God has done with us. Look how we've had greater impact in this, in this um, part of the, of the city, the greater impacts in our own lives, in our families' lives, in our friends' lives. Even, look, God, we can change to become more like you more and more and more, look, God. Be with us, Lord God. Give us a boldness and a courage to take on those spiritual giants we might be facing this year. Lord God. We're not alone. I pray as the enemy tries to help us understand that we are alone in this thing and we're not part of it and no one loves us and no one cares for us. May that voice be squashed and be killed and know that there is a community that wants to build a relationship with, with, with us, 
wants, want to be part of life together. We have leaders who want to help us. And we have a Jesus who wants to have a relationship with us. We love you, our King. Amen.